Good morning. Yes, I do realize that is the worst transition out of worship ever. <laughs> but now you get a, a sense of my sense of humor. Who doesn't like a good cat video? Uh, talking about love, especially the orange cat. Unless there's a laser pointer, that voice gets me every time. Last week I saw it and I was cracking up. I couldn't stop laughing and I thought, I'm going to share this. And then this morning during the first service, I had a little panic attack, like, oh no, I'm going to be run out of the church for sure. <laughs> it was a beautiful worship song, and we came out of that with a cat video. And I wanted to turn around and see who was leaving the room, um, but I didn't. So if you saw anybody leave the room, apologize to them for me, from me. We're talking about love this week, and just like the video, sometimes we throw that word around a lot, and it doesn't really, it's not the biblical term for love. Um, a couple weeks ago, I had opportunity to be up here, and I talked about some things that I loved. I talked about, I love Disneyland. And many of you love Disneyland as well. And some of you really don't love Disneyland at all. And both sides let me know how they feel about Disneyland. And that was fun. I told you I love Survivor, and many of you came up to me and said that you also love Survivor. Some of you don't admit that freely in public too often, but you have the same um, love for Survivor that I do. And, and Jeff Probst is a fan, or you're a fan of Jeff Probst. And I also shared that I really love uh, the new series, Designated Survivor, that I was really enjoying that. And some of you came up to me and said, we are really enjoying that as well. Others said that they hadn't watched it before, but now they're watching it. And one person came up to me and said, I ditched work to binge watch the first part of the season so that I could be caught up. And I wouldn't recommend that, like don't risk your job over anything I say up here this morning. Um, but also, I realize that Pastor John is probably listening to the audio uh, sometime in the future, and so I want to tell Pastor John, it was nobody from the office. They didn't ditch work to binge watch Designated Survivor. Thank you. John and Shelly had opportunity this weekend to spend time with her mom, and so I thought that was a good idea. I approached, um, Tim was originally supposed to speak uh, this morning. He was supposed to preach this morning, and I approached him and said, Tim, with in light of everything going on with your heart and shortness of breath, do you really think you should be doing that? Trust me, I'm not volunteering for anything, but do you think you should be doing that? And of course, he saw wisdom in that, and here I am this morning. So the message is don't not volunteer for anything, or you may end up doing it unless you really want to do it, and then don't volunteer for it. All of that's to say it's good to be with you this morning. My name is Corey. I'm the director of College and Career, and this morning we're going to talk about love uh, found in Luke 10 starting at verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. If you're taking notes this morning, I believe it's at the bottom of your notes, but it says this. There's a couple fill-ins. Live to love so that you can love and live. Jesus says that that is life, and we need to get it right. I realize also that when Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, that he's talking about loving God with every part of your being. And this morning, we're going to break that down a little bit, and I'm going to translate that just a little bit personal um, and how I view that. And so I hope you can be with me on that. Jesus also said that 
the entire law is found in these two things. I did a little research. The law of Moses, which is found in the Torah, which is the first five books of the Hebrew Bible, contains 613 laws or commandments. 365 don'ts. That's one don't for every day of the year. That's a lot of don'ts. Some moms have 365 don'ts in one day for their children, but this is 365 don'ts, one for every day of the year. There are 248 do's, and that's one do for every bone in a human body. That is a lot of laws. And Jesus said, yes, the entire law can be summed up in these two commandments. It's important to look at those two things, right? If 613 things spoken in the Old Testament can be boiled down to those two things doesn't mean we disregard Old Testament law, doesn't mean we disregard those individual laws, but it does mean that we look at those laws through this, through this lens of love. Love God, love others. So what do we do with this? If the entire law can be summed up in, the, in these words, we have to look carefully at this, and we're going to do that this morning. It says love God, and it says love God with all your heart. What does it mean to love God with all your heart? For us, I believe the heart is, is the place of emotions. So when we love God with all our heart, we have to think on emotions just a little bit. When we love God with our joy, what does it look like to love God? In joy, we need to love God. But it also means that in sadness, we need to love God. It also means that in anger, we need to love God. And suddenly I realize I'm starting to sound like a Disney movie, but in our anger, sadness, joy, fear, we need to love God. We need to be emotionally connected to God in order to love God. Soul. We need to love God with all our soul. I'm reading a book by Judah Smith. I don't know if you're familiar with Judah Smith. He's a pastor in Seattle. He's Tim Tebow's pastor, I believe. Um, and he wrote this book called How's Your Soul? And I've been reading it, and I want to read an excerpt from it because I, I'm thinking on the word soul. What does soul really mean? How do we love God with all our soul if we can't identify what soul is? Before we continue, let's return to the foundational question of what exactly we mean when we refer to the soul. We've already said that it basically is who we are on the inside, but I want to dig a little deeper. The term soul is notor notoriously hard to define. How can we quantify and categorize something that is invisible, subjective, and untestable. We can't see our souls, so we tend to have trouble even describing them, much less actively caring for them. And yet, on some level, we are always aware of our souls. We continually monitor whether we are experiencing peace or anxiety, joy or desperation, fulfillment or emptiness. We say things like, I really need a vacation, or this job is sucking the life out of me, or when I go hiking, I feel alive, I feel renewed. I would never in a million years say that last one, just for the record. I don't do well with dirt or sweat or the great outdoors in general. I'm more of a mall guy. I buy hiking boots because, I buy hiking boots because they look amazing, not because I intend to actually hike in them. But I'm trying to relate to a broader audience, so I threw that in there. You're welcome. Now you see why I connect with this author so well. And then skipping forward a little bit, commentators who are blessed with far more brain cells than I have attempted to quantify and define the soul in exhaustive detail. I'm not going to try to repeat what they say here, nor am I going to split theological hairs about the difference between the term soul and spirit. Sometimes the two seem to be differentiated in Scripture, and sometimes they seem to be synonymous. 
I'm pretty sure God has it figured out, so I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I think the phrase, the inside of you, does a good job communicating the biblical meaning of the soul. King David wrote, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. That's found in Psalm 103.1. Note the little phrase, all that is within me. My soul is the center of who I am. It is the inner me, the real me, the invisible me that transcends the physical me, the part of me that in some sense will live eternally in heaven. When we're called to love God with all our soul, we're called to love God with that innermost self that maybe it's hard to identify what that is, but we're called to love God from that place. And I believe it's the place that the Holy Spirit dwells, that inner part of our being that we can't touch or feel, but we know exists. And it exists because we connect with God there, from there. We need to love God with all our soul. And how do we do that? We invest spiritually in our relationship with God. This morning, you're here to practice the disciplines of scripture reading, of prayer, of worship. And you're here this morning connecting with God from the deepest part of your being through those disciplines. We need to love God with all our strength. This is physical. Acts 17.28 says, For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. This means that every part of our life, our very being, is in him. And we love God with that being. It's physical. If you're not just a little bit tired this morning, I'm going to be questioning what you're doing for the kingdom. See, a lot of times we feel like we need rest and rejuvenation. But loving God is physical, and it wears us down, and it takes strength. And we need to love God with all our strength. That means there are times in our life where we're going to be tired, where we are going to be exhausted. And we need to love God from that place of exhaustion, knowing that we're accomplishing things for the kingdom. We need to love God with all our mind. Intellectually, we need to connect with God. How do we do that? You're here this morning. We're opening scriptures we're reading from Scripture. Intellectually, you're getting deeper in the Word of God. Each week, Pastor John delivers a message from the Word of God. And we need to connect through those messages, through the Word of God, through what Pastor John has studied and is presenting to us. Sometimes that's difficult. I'll admit it. Pastor John has to be one of the smartest people I know. Maybe the smartest person I know. And he comes every week well-prepared and well-studied to present a gospel message, to present a message from the Bible. And we need to connect with God spiritually. Our love for God means that we listen to what's being said. Even if we don't always connect with it in the moment, it also means that we take it with us. If there's a word that's read or if there's something that's said in Scripture that you can't fully digest on a Sunday morning, it means that on Monday you're back at it. You're reading that. You're learning from it. You're digesting the scripture that was shared here this morning. This morning I shared from Luke 10, and I want to challenge you just a little bit. It starts out by saying that Jesus was tested, that somebody showed up to test Jesus. That is a great study. And, it, and it, after we read, it goes into the, good, the story of the Good Samaritan, and that too is a great study. Can I challenge you that to love God Intellectually, you need to be stretched intellectually. You need to expand your mind. Can you, this week, commit to go back and read these verses again? Maybe read the story before, maybe read the stories after, but the scriptures as a whole. Read Luke 10. 
Challenge yourself to grow intellectually, and you will connect with God. A lot of times, I tell the young adults to take a passage of Scripture and to read it every day for a week. And when they come back and report to me, if they do, they tell me, I got something new out of it every time. There was something different every time. And that's loving God from that place of your mind, that place of intellect, that's depending on God. We could read the scriptures over and over and learn something new every time. It's not like you read it once and you're done. It has a different meaning. I challenge you to take that and to work at it, to expand your mind and to not be content with where you are. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then it says to love your neighbor as yourself. This sometimes is a lot tougher than loving God. Your neighbor, we know, is defined as everybody who isn't you. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everybody who isn't you, the people sitting next to you in here, the people sitting across the room, the people on the roads as you drove here this morning, people in the markets on Black Friday, we're called to love our neighbor as ourselves. How do we love ourselves? And I think I want this morning to put this through the same filter we put our love of God through. How do we love our neighbor with all our heart? How do we emotionally connect with our neighbor? Ladies, maybe you're better at this than us guys are. We're not very emotionally connected all the time, right? We sometimes disconnect emotionally, actually. Um, but how do you love your neighbor as yourself with all your heart? When they have joy, you share in that joy. When they have sadness, you share the burden of that sadness. When they have fear, you comfort them. When they have anger, this is a tough one. When they have anger, the best thing I could recommend is just listening to them and avoiding the punches as they come if those happen. But when they have anger, you listen to them. We need to love our neighbor as ourselves with all our heart, which means that we need to love them emotionally. We need to love them with all our soul. How do we love them from the innermost being, that place that's reserved for the Holy Spirit of God, for that place that's reserved for our love for God? How do we love our neighbor from our soul? That's an interesting challenge. I think we connect with them and God. So we do that with God. God is the answer to that question. How do we love our neighbor with all our soul? We love them through God. We share scriptures with them. We share prayers with them. We share uh, our lives with them. And sometimes we share scriptures with them. Maybe if it's a, somebody who isn't a believer, you share scriptures with them so that the scripture can change them, even if they don't know that it's scripture. But you love them from that innermost place. How do you love them with all your strength? The best thing I have for this is to give you an example of how this church loves. This church does a great job loving. Grace is an amazing church of love. Pastor Tim recently had heart surgery, and most of you are aware of that. Pastor Tim recently had heart surgery, and in the midst of all of that, his daughters had to help care for him. They had to take him to hospital visits. They had to take him back and forth to the ER when he had to visit that. Uh, he had a friend who came over and mowed his lawn for, for him. That's loving with all your strength. That's loving him physically. Giving of your physical self to love somebody is not an easy thing to do. He shared the story that he had a family from the church bring him a meal. And this meal was a meal that they had brought him. It's a favorite of his, and they had brought it to him when Margie passed away. 
and he loved this meal, and he, they had put a lot into it. Physically, they had invested in him. They were connecting with him in love by bringing him this meal. They had prepared it. They had driven to Tulare to drop it off, and when they walked through the door, he broke down emotionally. Now, either that was just a really, really good meal, like there are meals that I want to cry over, or he realized that these people were loving him the way that God loves, from that place of strength, from that place of a physical investment. We need to love people We need to love others with all our mind. We need to challenge people in their faith and help them to grow. A friend of mine recently came from San Diego for the weekend to spend Thanksgiving with his family, and we got together, and we started talking about life. It wasn't intentional. It was very non-intentional, but we just started talking about life. We talked about politics, and I heard his politics, and he heard mine. We talked about the election. It didn't get heated, but we talked about the election. And we disagreed on some things, and we talked through that. We talked about his church in San Diego and what a blessing that church is to him. We talked about his life and how he's living it. And I shared with him how I'm living mine and what's going on in my life. We connected with each other on an intellectual level, and my mind grew and expanded because he challenged me in my thinking in some areas. And because I learned more about him, I'm able to love him better. Because he learned more about me, he's able to love me better. And intellectually, there's that connection. Recently, uh, Jeremy Glick and Camrys Clark went to the Patriots 49ers game. It was last Sunday. I'm a 49ers fan. Jeremy's a Patriots fan. So it didn't work out well for me that day. But I agreed to watch Jeremy's dog, Brady, Jeremy's dog, Brady, is a pit bull mix. I think people who know him are laughing, but Jeremy's dog, Brady, is a pit bull mix, and he's all puppy. Like, not puppy. He's not puppy. He's like puppy. He's like this tall. He's like big, and he's thick. And we agreed to watch him while they went to the game. Brady is named after Tom Brady, so I'm actually watching the Patriots 49ers game with a dog that's named after Tom Brady. It was an interesting day. They dropped him off in the morning, He was in the kennel at our house while we were at church, and we rushed home after church to play with him. And it was the best time. We haven't had a puppy in our house, a big dog in our house for a long time, and I want a big dog, but we uh, spent a lot of time playing with him and getting energy out of him. And about the time the game was going to come on, he had finally kind of settled down. I was settled into my chair. We were ready to watch the game, and I got a text message from Jeremy. And I'm going to edit the text message just a little bit. He used a word that started with P, and I'm going to change that word in the text message. But Jeremy texted me, and he said, has Brady made mud in the house yet? Made mud is the word that I substituted. Has Brady made mud in the house yet? I'm a bit of a clean freak, so panic set in. Like, I didn't know this was a thing. I didn't know this is what I was signing up for or what I agreed to when I agreed to do this. And so we opened the door. We opened our slider door, and I thought, okay, I'm going to show Brady the door, and if he needs to make mud, he can go out in the yard and make mud, and that's the best place to go for a dog to make mud. And so he's not going to do it in the house, and it's going to be a good day, and and it was a good day. He didn't do that in the house, and that's great. Uh, We had a great time watching him. Jeremy picked him up at the end of the night. It It was a lot of fun. But the end result of that is that the next day, we were dealing with fall flies, 
Are you guys familiar with fall flies? They're those slow-moving flies that really annoy you, that land in your hair and on your face, and they seem to be everywhere. They get in the windows, and there's, it's like a blackout almost when they, I don't know, I think they reproduce faster than regular flies. But they're very slow-moving, and they're very, very annoying. And the first couple days of dealing with fall flies, we were, we were swatting them with anything we could. I'm a, like I said, I'm a bit of a clean freak. I think fly swatters are disgusting, so we don't have a fly swatter in our house. Um, not a good time in our house the first couple days of the week, but we don't have a fly swatter because they're, they're gross. Uh, people never clean them. They never go through the wash, nothing. They just sit there with blood and guts all over them, and it's horrible. <laughs> Sorry if that got a little graphic. So we don't have a fly swatter. So instead, we're using our hands, which is better than a fly swatter, right? And we're using... We're using towels and anything we can get a hold of to try to kill these very annoying, slow-moving flies. And for the first few days, there was a lot of anger around these flies. And then I realized what these flies represent. These flies represent an act of love, an act of service that we did for Jeremy while he got to enjoy a game. And so in order to shift my thinking and in order to deal with the flies from a better place, I began to pray whenever I would swat the flies. (laughs) And I began to realize that that each fly represented an act of love, a way that I love God and a way that I can love others. Let's go to John 13, 34, and 35. It says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. There are two things I want to point out about this passage of Scripture. Prior to this, we were talking about the summing up of Old Testament law. Love God, love others as yourself. Here, we hear Jesus say, don't just love others as yourself but love others as Christ loved you. That means it's sacrificial. It's sacrificial. Love for others is sacrificial. Love others as Christ loved you. Jesus gave the ultimate sacrifice of heart, soul, strength, and mind at the cross. And I don't think he's asking us to go to the cross, but I think What's being asked here is that we realize how much God loves us and that we translate that love that Jesus has for us into loving others. And it also says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. So it doesn't just stop with saying, love others as I have loved you, but this is going to be how other people identify you as a Christian how other people identify you as one of my people. How you love others is a reflection of who you are in Christ. And you're called to love others as Christ has loved you. That's a lot. That's a big investment. And we have to look at that. There's a great story again where Jesus was tested. And it's found in John 8. And it says, At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? 
They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At, th at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left. Jesus straightened up and asked the woman standing with him, Woman, where are they? No one has, has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus lived out this act of loving this woman, heart, soul, mind, and strength in this story. He connected with her emotionally. He stood in the gap physically, standing in the way of these men condemning her and throwing stones at her. Spiritually, he taught her a valuable lesson about life in Christ. And intellectually, he engaged her by telling her to go and sin no more. This is an important example to us on how we're to love people. When you came in this morning, maybe you picked up a rock. And these rocks this morning are going to be representative of those things in your life those people in your life that maybe you throw stones at. Maybe it's God that you throw stones at. Maybe God's allowed something to happen in your life and you blame him for it and there's bitterness there. And maybe you cast stones at God. Maybe there's other people in your life that you cast stones at, that you condemn, that you judge because of the lifestyle they're living or the choices that they've made. And you carry a stone with you ready to be cast to point out those things. Maybe you cast stones at yourself. Maybe there's something in your life that you find unforgivable. And this rock represents that here this morning, represents that condemnation, that sin. In just a few moments, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm gonna ask that you hold that rock as we pray, and that you allow the Holy Spirit to identify something in your life that is representation of that rock that, that's in your hand. And at the end of my prayer, when we're dismissed, I'm gonna ask that you consider casting that stone on the ground, dropping that stone to the ground, that instead of casting that stone on God or someone else, instead of casting that stone upon yourself, that you just leave it either at the altar or at the steps. If you're not comfortable with coming forward, you can leave it on your way out but that you leave it here and that it symbolize a step in your life of loving God better, of loving others better, and of loving yourself better. I realize that some of you may not be prepared for whatever this stone represents to, to drop it here this morning. If you're not prepared to do that, I encourage you to take this stone with you, to carry it in your purse or your pocket, a place where you can constantly be reminded of that thing that, that's condemnation that you feel toward God or others or yourself until a time that you're ready to cast that stone at the feet of Jesus until you're ready to drop it. Wherever you are, you can drop it wherever you are. These aren't special rocks. Or if, if you don't want to just drop it wherever you are, come by the office. Talk to a pastor. Talk to a friend. And give them that rock that represents that condemnation. I'd be happy to talk to you about that at some time in the future if you're not ready to drop that today. 
Remember, as we leave here, that we're called to throw love at people, not stones. And I hope you take that with you this week. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for an opportunity to learn from your word. God, we know that our faith is our responsibility. And if we're to grow in our faith, God, we have to connect with you, heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, we have to love you. We have to be obedient to your word as that's an act of love. And God, we have to love others because that too is an act of obedience to you. And God, we have to love others not just as ourselves, but we have to love others the way that you loved us, the way that Jesus loved us. Thank you, God, for the great promise of Scripture that says we are loved, we are forgiven, and that every stone we carry can be dropped instead of cast. Help us this morning, God, as we begin to forgive you, not condemn you for something that's happened in our life, as we begin to forgive somebody else and not cast a stone of judgment or condemnation on them, or God, as we even begin to forgive ourselves and not condemn ourselves or cast judgment on ourselves, help us, God. Be with us through your Holy Spirit. Minister to us. Allow us to connect with you, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as we leave these stones on your altar, God, may they be a representation of a step forward in life to grow deeper in our faith with you. We love you, God. 